I'm Joni from Columbus, Ohio, and I recommend 3C Body Shop. Nobody wants to go back twice in one year for accident repairs. But after my first experience with 3C, it made perfect sense for me. 3C worked with my insurance and everything was handled perfectly. I'd recommend 3C to my friends, my family, and anyone that has been in an accident. 3C Body Shop, the finest in collision repair. Hey guys, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions like how do I record an episode? How do I get my show into the apps all the people like to listen to? And how do I make money from my podcast? Well, the answer to every one of these questions is really simple. It's called Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and extremely easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I've been using Anchor now for, oh, almost a year, and I really enjoy it. It's a lot easier than any of the other podcast apps I've ever tried. And again, it's free, guys. It really is free. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, So if you want to get started on a podcast and making money doing it, then go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start. Anchor, the best way to podcast. Experience the joy of watching your friends and family's faces light up when you feed them wild game you harvested and made them delicious sausages. Or meat you barbecue and grill with the finest seasonings available. Visit our friends at Waltons.com to find everything you need to turn wild game into tasty meat snacks or spice up your barbecue with new flavors and seasonings. With over 500 seasonings to choose from, there's something that everyone will love. They even have step-by-step videos and how-to articles at Meatistics to help you go from animal to edible. Use coupon RANGERS15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order at Waltons.com. Waltons, everything but the meat. This is Jared Sandler, and you're listening to the Ranger Report Podcast. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman. All right, we're joined today by Jeff Wilson of the Jeff Wilson's Texas Rangers newsletter. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ben. How about you? doing great it's great to have you on now i'm going to start with a a very serious topic you've been doing some great writing uh for a long time and the news site is great by the way everyone should go and subscribe to that but why did you have to jump in on our thing and do podcasting and cover the minor leagues because that's kind of our thing thing. yeah you know uh i i really thought that of of the the uh, legacy beat writers the legacy media that they just weren't covering the minor leagues enough and so I thought that I would have kind of a uh, an advantage if if I, I pursued that and maybe get some subscriptions that way. And I mean, I I'll, I'll be honest. I think most of my subscriptions are because of that. Like like I wrote a story about uh, Cameron Colley and the day you know I put it behind the paywall 
And then that day, I think four four Collies bought subscriptions. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it it, uh, it it didn't mean to step on your toes, but <laughs> I got to put I got to put shoes on my kids' feet. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm just messing with just you. Messing. I really, yeah. have, I really enjoyed have enjoyed listening, listening to it. I've listened and enjoyed uh, you and John doing that. You guys are really doing a great job. You've had some fantastic guests. And uh, I was mentioning to CJ the other day, we really like the way that you and John word questions to get them to really open up. Yeah, you know, we. it's always been kind of my philosophy that you just kind of start off BSing and then kind of get them comfortable. And then they, they, they might say a little more than they should. We're gonna, we're gonna have, We're supposed to have Chris Woodward on the next episode. And, uh, I, I think he's too honest when he's on zoom calls with the beat writer. So uh, I don't know what he's going to be like in this setting. And, and, you know, he's traveling back to Arizona this week. So I don't home office and maybe get a drink in him. I don't know, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, Ben and I wanted you to stay in your own huge lane away from us. That's, that's kind of what our, our deal. Our deal. <laughs> Yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> no, you're no. you're fine. No, we we enjoy the heck out of it. Everybody's enjoying the heck out of it. So you're doing you're doing great by everybody. But uh how have you ever covered a player like Adolis Garcia? I mean it's it's he's intriguing. The only person I could compare him with, I guess, would be an Elvis Andrews, but just kind of not just not just the personality, but the talent. Um there's just so much that he brings to the table and yet sometimes he can also be just kind of so frustrating going through long stretches where Man, he just chases out of the zone a lot, but that defense never – defense doesn't lie. Well, that, that game against the Angels is here, the, the last homestand, when he made the play on the Fletcher ball off the off the netting, you know, and, and then, then he threw out a guy at first. I, I don't know that I've seen that combination. And Chris Woodward even said he, he'd never seen a play like the one on Fletcher. And I, Garcia was, was stationed pretty close to the line, but still, that ball wasn't a pop-up. That ball was – that ball was hit hard. And he still ran over and, and jumped and, and caught it in the netting, and um, it was it was incredible. And you, you're right; he's frustrating because you know his second half he struck out a lot. I mean, he struck out a lot the whole season, but you you, you kind of wonder uh, what, what Adolis you're going to get next year. I and mean, he 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 was a rookie this year. You know, he's 28, but he was still a rookie, and I think he he had to learn a lot. But I think the good thing about him. If you're looking for positives, is that he he hits the ball the other way a lot, and uh, he 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 uses all fields. And I, I think most of his home runs this year were to center, to right center, or or to right, just straight down the, the line to right field. Or he had a couple of those. So I think that's a, that's a sign of a mature hitter who's who's got a chance to figure things out if he can make a little more contact. All right, um, what can Rangers fans take away from the 2021 season? that they can say is positive. (laughs) (laughs) Really, really really digging deep here, but uh, I've I've got a couple. I think, um, you know, they they did find Garcia. I, I, I think, I think Andy Abanez might, might be a a useful piece, not, not an everyday player, but somebody that you're going to want on your team when you're, when you're good again. And um, I, I, you got to like Dane Dunning. You got to feel really good about Taylor Hearn's future. I think, I think that was, uh, I think that was probably the key key development. Maybe even bigger than Garcia because you can always you can always find a right fielder, but you can't find six six left handed starting pitchers that throw in the upper nineties very often. So um, that that's very good. I think the fact that they stayed mostly healthy and avoided 
the the catastrophic injuries like a Tommy John or, or something like that to to a key guy, uh, and then and then you look at the farm system, and you guys know how far uh, the, the the gains it made. And I know the, the Rangers were high on it before the season, higher than the the industry publications like Baseball America, but. Um, they got recognized by Baseball America when, you know, they went, I think they jumped from 24 to 13 or 23 to 12, something like that. It was a big jump and, uh, you, you can see why. And, and how about Josh Young? I know he, he missed that first what 30 games or whatever, but holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he, and he got so much better at AAA, you know, he, he finished the year on an 18 game hitting streak. That's unbelievable. So I, I don't see how he's not the first baseman next year. So that's exciting too. Do you say first or third? I don't know. I think I said first, but I meant third. Uh, no problem. Yeah, it, the the minor leagues they were a blast blast to cover this year and get some of the some of the players on and just to see their progress from low A all the way up to AAA. And Josh Young, yeah, we we tried to uh, not talk so much about him, but he kind of made that hard on us by That's just right. continuing just to go out there and and just play great baseball. So. Uh, that last question, yeah, it was a it was a very easy one, I know, and I'm going to follow it up with an even easier one. <laughs> what are some of the things that you think they need to address this winter? Everything else, you know, <laughs> I, you know the I I yeah, you know, what are you going to do at second base? Yeah, you know, I, I I I think if if they don't think they're going to contend in 2022, you stick with an internal candidate at a lot of positions like second. Um, first base, uh, center field, and you give Tavares a chance. I'm fine with giving DJ Peters a chance and and the, the catching duo a chance. Um, but I I think that the Rangers got a lot of answers this year about what they have, what they had that was close to the major leagues, and none of the answers were very good. So there is a definite talent talent deficiency. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think they could upgrade. I'm, I mean, if we're being honest. I think they could upgrade all nine positions. Um, I, you know, I, I just don't, I just don't see somebody right now, Gar- Garcia maybe, but I don't, I don't see somebody out there who screams that they are definitely going to be a fixture at their position for the next six years. You know, I, I just, I just honestly don't see that. So uh, you, you hope then that the, the farm system is fruitful. Uh, you hope that ownership is serious when they, when they say, uh, through, through their spokesman, John Daniels and Chris Young, that they're going to spend money. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. But, I mean, they're, the the cupboard's not entirely bare, but it's pretty darn bare. And I think that, uh, it, you know, you can't turn over a roster in one offseason. But it, it, might, it might be, it might be a, a two-year deal where, you know, this offseason and next, they, they really hit, hit it hard and, and, and make trades or get some money out there to, to get players and then, and then go with what's ready from the farm system. Yeah. On top of that, I, uh, there's one guy that internally that, that I think has really for whatever reason gone under the radar that in a season like this. And I think that next season he's earned a right to play a lot, you know, most days. And that's Andy Abanez. What do you think about that? Just considering, yeah, big money spending in the off season. We'll see how, how that goes, but how is it, it – it's going to be hard to keep Andy Abanez on the bench. No, I agree. I, he was he was one of the best hitters in the league uh, <clears throat> down the stretch. I know he had an injury uh, in, the, in the middle of it all, but he came back hot. Uh, he, he, he showed some power, you know, hit for average, obviously, and, and he was pretty good defensively for, for a guy whose reputation was 
uh, as a <laughs> as a defensive butcher. And if you watched him at spring training, he was he was not good at all defensively. So I, I thought that was really <clears throat> positive. Um, in, in addition to the offense, I, I think the Rangers always thought he would hit or, or, or be at least average offensively, but the defense was a concern. And so he can play third, second, first and left field. And you know, his, his favorite position is shortstop, which they're, they're not going to give him a chance to play, but he claims he can play it. Uh, and that's just a handy person to have around. And I know the Rangers have a lot of those, you know, you, you have Kiner Falefa, who's probably, if the Rangers sign a shortstop, is going to be on the move. Solak, if they keep him long-term, is going to have to play other positions. So how, how many of those guys do you need is, is the question. But um, Abanez did nothing but help himself this season. And I agree with you that, uh, depending on how this shakes out, that he's got to play a prominent role next year. Speaking of that... Um... We keep hearing that they're wanting to add a premier shortstop to the roster since you mentioned it. With all the off, well, the offensive production wasn't great. I know that it wasn't really good at all. Do you think they really need to address shortstop, or should they go after pitching, or do they need? To, I know they need to do everything, but do you think spending a lot of money on a shortstop right now is a good idea? I, I, I think that you got to get the the best players available, and and. Our uh, the, the the offense this it hasn't just bad this been bad this season it's really been bad you know you could you could make a case you could go back to 2018 um, and and really even 2017 a little bit even though Elvis had that great year you you could you could really kind of see a decline in the offense for a while and and the Texas Rangers are an you know offense first ball ball club in everybody's mind and and to see what they've done and I, I know I know these rosters the last two years haven't been great but even even last year before you know they traded Todd Frazier and Chirinos and um, really started the teardown the the offense was no good it was it was it was horrible and I think this year's team got shut out like fifteen times. Uh, I, I think that's the number. Um, and, and how many games were there on the road, especially in May after they got to 18 and 18, when they were like losing three to one and, and two to one and just coming up short. So I, I, I think they got to address the offense. I don't think just changing the, the, the hitting coach is going to uh, address that. They, they need, they need talent upgrades. And if, if the, the best guys out there, if they're, if the Rangers are going to spend money, it's shortstop, and honestly, you can you can definitely upgrade offensively at shortstop. There, there's no question. Uh, and I know Kiner Falefa, you know, he, he's very streaky. Um, he, you know, he he gets a lot of hits, but they don't they don't go over the wall very often. And and there are long stretches where he can get pretty cold. So uh, I, I think that they do go after a shortstop. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I looked at first base. I don't know if if I like the free agents who are who are out there. They're a little older. So you talked about fixing the offense. That's a that's obviously going to be a big priority. But we also, when you look at the pitching staff, there's a lot of young talent there, and the concern really is you can't have all those guys try to pitch 150 to 200 innings next year. You're going to have to have some guys come in, some veterans come in and eat some innings. So as far as Cole Wynn goes, obviously he likely is not going to start. More, more than likely, going to not going to start on the big league level next year. But when could you see him maybe coming up, or kind of how do you think that's going to pan out? I mean, is it going to depend really on how many innings you're getting out of those those other veteran players? Well, depending on what they do in free agency, they're kind of in the same boat as they were this season. You know, I, you 
I, I think Dunning's going to be able to to throw more innings. He, I think he finished at 114 this year, 117, somewhere in there. Um, I, yeah, I think Hearn might have come close to 100. So, so you might be able to get 120 out of him. Uh, but but then it's you know I guess Glenn Otto got over a hundred between AAA and and uh, the majors, but I don't know that he's he's somebody wanting your rotation on opening day. So you you need you're right you need you need veterans. You can't just have a, a 13 man pitching staff and have you know, eight <laughs> starting pitchers. You know you you gotta you you gotta go get somebody. And um, you know I. It's a, it's another tr- tricky tricky position because the Rangers obviously do like. I think they're very excited about their their minor leaguers and and, and the the pitching depth that that's coming. I would say when uh, could come depending on how the season goes as early as, as July. You know, if he, if he's pitching well at AAA, um, and I don't I don't know that that there would be any any need to keep him down there more than than half a season if he's showing that he's ready and based on what he did at double a and then in his last triple a start it looks like he's he's gonna be the guy or, or a guy um but I, I i didn't you can't count on him for a full season so so uh, yeah so do you do you uh do you go you know after uh uh like a kevin gossman try to try to get him locked up you know off of basically what's two years definitely trending the right way, but he also pitched in San Francisco. So, uh, there, there's some ballpark issues there, uh, as far as being hitter friendly or pitcher friendly. But I, you know, I, I think Max Scherzer is, is too old for the Rangers at this point. Kershaw's too beat up. I think those are just, you know, na- names that, that people like, like to see and like to hear, but those guys also win all the time too. So I don't know that they want to, you know, sacrifice a a year as they head into the sunset on a, on a losing team. So uh, it, it's going to be tough, and I, I think I think they might try to to sign somebody who who's premier or a little more premier. Maybe maybe a deal like they gave Lance Lynn or or Kyle Gibson if you could find that type. But then and then this this one is is going to I don't know it, it doesn't sit well with me, but. Boy, Jordan Lyles really pitched well in the second half. <laughs> yeah, and he, he's going to be—he's going to be cheap. Uh, you know, he's going to eat innings. He threw 180 innings this year. I mean, that's—that's—it's uh, going to be a, a, a tough sell. But also, if the Rangers go out at the, you know, if if they are, you know, John Daniels said it yesterday, the Rangers are going to be aggressive, but they can't make up 30 or 40, 30 or 40 games in the the win loss column. So. That that would indicate to uh, to me that they they still expect to not be as competitive. So so maybe you, you do go and, and get a Jordan Lyles and hope that that he doesn't lose what he just had. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. That, that's that's a that's definitely a tough spot. But I think between Dunning and Hearn, you, you're gonna you're gonna have a, a two starters who can at least uh, get you be serviceable and 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 eat some innings. But then, then you, you really got to piece it together. All right, switching gears just a little bit. We've seen already Don Wakamatsu and Luis Ortiz let go. How many more coaches do you think are going to get the axe? And do you think it's going to be a pretty much a whole new coaching staff in 2022? No, I think I think that that's it. Um, I, I, you know, the, the, the pitchers seem to really like Doug Mathis and Brendan Segarra. Um, 
they're they are they're really dialed into the the analytics and it's my it's my sense i don't know about you guys but it's my sense that that chris young is really a big believer in in information and technology and data and all that all that stuff and i think that i think those two guys are a fit i wouldn't be surprised if their roles changed maybe maybe a, a pitching coach is added uh, you know, somebody who's a, yeah. a defined pitching coach, not this co-pitching coach stuff. So one of them, you know, maybe you move Mathis back to bullpen coach, uh, have Cigara be uh, somebody who's, who's right there. Because apparently, I mean, you just listen to people talk about him. He's you know, the smartest guy in the room, but he's not like a jerk about it. And uh, he he's very good at picking stuff up and, and helping guys you know, change grips on a slider, or just do something like that. These little adjustments that, that seem to, to really help along the way. So that, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, the, the hitting, the assistant hitting coach, uh, and, and the, uh, the offensive coordinator, <laughs> that's ridiculous. I have an offensive, you know, what was a run producing coordinator and basically an offense coordinator, defense coordinator. All right. Um, I don't know that they'll they'll be back. It'll it'll depend on the the new hitting coach, whoever that is, and if he has a guy or two he wants to bring in. Um, but but I, I think you know the the from what Chris you know Chris Woodward didn't have to say this, but really the offense has struggled for for three years under Ortiz and great guy, smart and another one dialed into analytics, but some something wasn't something wasn't happening. The the, the message wasn't getting across, and maybe it's kind of similar to Julio around Hill. Uh, the pitching coach for 19 and 20, the, there was just some, a, me, a messaging issue, I think. And Wakamatsu, the bench coach, Woodward kind of tried to explain it yesterday. And he said that in 2019, Wakamatsu was perfect because, uh, you know, Chris was a, a first time manager and Wak had managed. He'd been in the game a long time. But I think now that, that Chris has kind of <clears throat> maybe found a rhythm or found, found what he likes and doesn't like uh, to do as a manager, that that Wakamatsu didn't match up anymore. So I don't think it was anything that they did. They did poorly. I just think that, that the Rangers feel like they, you know, status quo, you can't, you can't live with the status quo, I guess, after three straight, two straight seasons like they've had. Um, so I think that's why, why Woodward is making the change. And maybe he has somebody in mind and, and has a, maybe this is a quick thing, but um, we'll, we'll see. But I would, I would expect they have the scouting uh, pro scouting meetings in two weeks in Arizona. So I would imagine they'll, conduct some interviews at, at, at that point. Yeah. And, and seeing Wakamatsu leave, it's, it's kind of strange because he was with the Rangers uh, for a few years prior to this tenure. So it's always nice to see some guys come back and unfortunately this time have to see him leave, but let's kind of roll it back to with, with the way the minor league guys have been playing and, and with, you know, fans or fan, I guess you could call it unrest. This, the, the patience of the, Having to reboot from the, from the ground up is is not fun. It's gruesome. 102 wins are not fun, but the minor leagues were fun. And you have all these guys, such as well Blaine Krim, now postseason All Star, and you look at his numbers. And, you know he hit 300 with 20 homers and 61 RBIs, and then you look at the game, 73, just 73 games, and he he was able to put that kind of stat together or the stat line together. But you also look at the position, and there, there's kind of a log jam. And people are going to have to accept the fact that not all of these guys are going to be in Rangers uniforms. If you want to see the Rangers succeed moving beyond next season, they're going to have to use some of these guys to get bigger names. And 
So how do you how do you justify that with a fan base that's fallen in love with young guys that aren't even on the club yet, and they may not may never see a Ranger uniform, but while also saying, hey, this is this is part of the rebuild, and this is what you use if you want to be successful sooner rather than later. Well, I, I would say that there there are a couple of different levels of fans. There are the fans who are dialed in, like like uh, you guys, and and. Um, who understand the farm system really well and you know <laughs> that there's actual depth at, at several positions uh, and, th- and then there are fans that just want to see the major league team win and um, you know the reason you the reason you build a good farm system is a to supplement the big league roster and and b um, well through through direct promotions and then the other way is trading them there there are two kinds of currency money and, and players and um they're, they're going to, you're right. They're going to have to, to make trades. And with the 40 man crunch that's coming up, um, that's, those are the, that's a real possibility that, that you will see prospects traded this, this off season. Uh, the system's deep enough to, to, to take a, a, the loss of a couple guys. Um, but in, in regards to, to Blaine Krim, they're going to try to play him. I think some in left field, they think he's athletic enough to do that. Um, I, I don't know that, that Curtis Terry can do anything but but be a DH. Um, Her- Dustin, you know Dustin Harris, who I guess now is the top ranked first base prospect in the, in the organization. Uh, that you know he can play third. The Rangers think he can play either uh, either corner. He's obviously athletic. He stole twenty five bases, so um, it'll be interesting. They, they can mix and match and, and do all of that, but I still think that those guys aren't contributors. Uh, in 2022, um, may, maybe Terry gets some time uh, DHing. I, I can see that, you know, a, a platoon situation with Calhoun or or whoever else they, they want to mix in that spot. But um, it's also hard to have two DHs on your roster. Yeah. You know? yeah. So so it's uh, as nice a story as Curtis Terry is. He's really just a, a one trick pony. And you can only have one, 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 one of those guys on your team, you know, because you, you, on your bench, you're always going to have the backup catcher. You need, you need a utility guy who can play shortstop and you, you'd really like to have another outfielder. And, um, and, th- and then that, that fourth spot, if you, if you have four, cause a lot of times the Rangers play with, with only a three man bench, uh, you kind of, you kind of need, you know, you really need a flexible guy, and I don't know that, that Terry can do that. But I'd I'd be curious to see Krim. I mean, the guy the guy hitting he hit in 2019 when he after he was drafted he hit he hit great this year at high A, and then he comes up to double A and, and, and still is productive. So um, I'm I'm really curious about him. Yeah, Dustin, Dustin Harris, Harris came over in that uh, the Mike Meyer trade. That's actually a, a trade a lot of people kind of forget about, and then yeah, that's this is how you build, and and you look at you know where Taylor Hearn came from. You know, that was a Keone, a Keone Kela trade, wasn't it? So it was, yeah, yeah. So you have these, these some of these deals that just kind of get forgotten a little bit, and then you know the Ruganetto door. You got Josh Stowers from that, and you know he hasn't made the big league level yet, but that's certainly you've won that trade already because he's already turning into a prospect for you. So yeah, it's yeah, it's these deals and and and, and trading minor leaguers now it's just it's gonna the roles are gonna reverse and it's just hard to it's kind of hard to get some fans to understand that the way it works the ebb and flow of success and failure no that's right and and you know when you when you go back and look at uh uh what you know 2000 2008 is when i took over the beat 2009 
Uh, the Rangers had a top five system, uh, 10 and 11, you know, the, and 12, I guess 11 and 12 Profar was the number one prospect in the game. And, uh, you know, the John Daniels, whatever, whatever your criticisms you have of him, you cannot say that he does not go for it at the trade deadline when the, when the team's in contention, he, he really believes that, you know, you supplement the big league roster at, with trades, with prospects and, I'm, you know, shoot, 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, and 16. He did that. And there, you know, it, it's that's that's why the farm system got gutted and, and they kind of had to start over here. So it's, uh, but yeah, there, there's so many different levels of baseball I, that, that I've, I've learned about in my time on the beat. And, and the farm systems, it's so fascinating because there's so many players. There's so many different ways to acquire them. Uh, you know, what, what the scouts do in preparation for the draft and where they find these guys at colleges nobody's ever heard of. And, you know, like Joe Barlow. When Joe Barlow was a, a community college, what, Salt Lake Community College or something like that. Uh, you know, and, and now he's got a chance to be a, a regular guy in the bullpen. So um, it's it's just interesting how it all works. But you're right. Once Rangers get into contention, you'll slowly see the farm system will decline the better and the longer and longer they stay in contention because they'll be trying to get get pieces at, at you know at the deadline to 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 get into the playoffs and, and win the World Series. All right, now that we got all the uh, unimportant stuff out of the way, we uh, we always have one tough question for you here at the end. So this one this week is going to be very difficult. Globe Life Field roof open or closed? Closed. I think every major league ballpark should have a roof. <laughs> I am a big believer in starting the game at seven o'clock, finishing the game, preferably at nine thirty. <laughs> but playing the game every day you show up. I just, you know, I, I think that's such a big deal, and uh, that's why I liked. That's why I like going to St. Pete. I mean, nobody, nobody likes the trot, but you show up and you're playing that night, dog and and, and same thing with Seattle. Seattle's freezing cold. I <laughs> I, I really do not like Seattle, and I freeze my nuts off every <laughs> game even in july all right even in july i'm freezing at that ballpark but we're playing every day we, sh- we show up and there is a game that day and and that that really helps with fans I'm, I'm telling you if fans know that there's going to be a game that day even if they're driving from collin county where there's you know a hailstorm, they're going to come because they know that they'll see a game so um i'm all for the roof all right, yeah, me too. But however, I'm going to disagree a little bit because there's been there was a there was many many games where it was a beautiful summer in DFW and they had that roof closed like 85 degrees. That's beautiful weather. The roof needs to be open. Yeah, they they they've built in a lot of uh, I don't know what their their you know parameters are, but I think they've built in a lot. Like obviously temperature. But there's like a wind. Uh, they have a, a wind threshold too. And I think there's a humidity threshold. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure, but I think yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't take much for them to say, "Oh boy, we better close the roof tonight." Don't want people slipping and falling in the stadium. Exactly. All right, Jeff. Well, we really appreciate your time tonight. Again, Jeff Wilson's Texas Rangers newsletter. You need to go check it out. Um, subscribe if you haven't yet, and go check out their podcast, which is also awesome with him and John Moore. So, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, guys, I love doing it. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.